All right, this morning we're going to be looking at uh, 2 Timothy uh, verses 1 through 13. So you might want to find your way there, 2 Timothy uh, verses 1 through 13. And we'll start out uh, in our introduction uh, by taking notice of uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 13. So if you find your way there, uh, you're going to be in in, uh, pretty good shape. So what we're going to begin... First off is we're just going to pray, and then we'll read through our text, and then come back and and um, and parse it out and drill down and say, Lord, what would you have for us today? So let's pray together, uh, and then we'll begin. Lord, we thank you for this morning, and um, we we do pray for those that are, are fatherless. Um, uh, there's so many reasons for it, but Lord. We pray, Lord, as a congregation that uh, we could extend our hearts and our lives uh, to make a difference in our families and kiddos' lives, um, that they could experience uh, wholeness and safety and joy, uh, Lord. And so, Lord, as we turn to the scriptures and look at what you would say to us this morning through Paul's words to Timothy, Lord, that you would uh, equip us to to do that, Lord, I pray uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. So come to the text with me. We're in uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And if you've been with us for a little bit, you understand that uh, the Apostle Paul uh, is, is writing this to uh, Timothy. Uh, and the Apostle Paul had a particular call upon his life. He was uh, the Apostle to the Gentiles. And the Apostle Paul was really laser-focused on extending uh, the gospel through church planting. And Timothy has come along to take his place in Ephesus. Well, Paul, uh, because of Nero, is in prison. He perhaps has... Uh, a few weeks, few months left, and he pens a letter to Timothy to, to equip him, uh, to help him uh, to be able to pastor this church in, in Ephesus. So, so let's take a read, and then we're going to um, kind of unpackage it a little bit and say, like, how does this apply to us? <laughs> I mean, I'm not a pastor. I, I, I don't want to be a pastor. Matter of fact, I don't even want to be a Sunday school teacher. You should correct that attitude. But, um, but Lord, how do we apply this to our own lives? And so let's take a read. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. He says, you then, my child. And Paul's words to Timothy are tender. Uh, Timothy is not his biological child, but Timothy lacked a father. There's no record of really Timothy's father in Timothy's life. And so Paul, as a single man, right? Paul is a single man. Uh, all the indications I have is that Paul was not married. Paul, as a single man, comes alongside this, this, this young man who needs a father kind of influence in his life. And he, in, in a spiritual, if not in a real sense, brings Timothy into his heart and what we see in Timothy's life, he has a, has a heart, a call uh, to pastor church in Ephesus. And so that's why the tenderness, 
That's why we see the tenderness in the text when Paul's referring to Timothy. He says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And then he's going to give three kind of word pictures or uh, three metaphors that describe the work that, that Timothy's called to do as a pastor. He says, share in the sufferings as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And oh, by the way, a tip of the hat to the veterans in our midst. So thank you to the women and men that have, have served our country. And we, as a fellow veteran, we, we, we appreciate you. And, and you know what this verse <laughs> is all about. Verse 5, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And then the second part, Paul really focuses on, on, on the message uh, that he's been given. And he links in, in a really amazing way, he links in the aspect of suffering and difficulties um, that are associated with the gospel. So verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The, the saying is trustworthy. And then Paul recounts, a hem that has four clauses to it that kind of expresses, um, in, a, in a summary way, the gospel. It says, if we have died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we will reign with him. If we deny him, deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And so come with me to 2 Corinthians. So we're going to use 2 Corinthians um, uh, chapter 10 and verse 13 as a bridge to understand how do these words to a pastor, Paul's words to Timothy, pastor of Ephesus, how do they, how do they apply to us today? Because we're not in Ephesus and, and uh, most of us are not a pastor, but, but how do these words apply uh, to us? So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, Paul writes this, but we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us. And there's the key. And that unlocks the passage for us. Is that every single one of us here have been given a little bit of earth, a little bit of turf, a little circle uh, that only we're the only person that can have influence in that circle. And that's uh, it applies to a 15, 16-year-old as much as it applies to a 50-year-old or a 60-year-old, is that every single one of us has this little circle of influence and that we have been put there by God. God has put us there. We might think that, oh, I, I go to Chelmsford High School because my parents live in Chelmsford, but no, there's a, there's a, there's a deeper thing going on there. Is it that if you're a freshman or a sophomore at 
Chelsea High School, or you go to Middlesex, or, or you know, you Lowell, is that God has put you there. And only you have access to that group of people. Only you can make a difference in those people's lives. And if we can grab a hold of that, we can begin to understand that God has placed us there and we can begin to ask the question, how can we, how can we make an impact in people's lives? Well, when I think back um, of my life and I think back to like high school years, you know, it wasn't really the captain of the football team that had a great influence. Everybody understood he was a jerk. Um, and it wasn't, the, it wasn't the, the cheerleaders, you know, in Medfa that had the most influence. It, it tended to be, and, and I have a friend who, who goes to the first service that's, that was like this, tends to be a person that has a good heart. Tended to be a person that was more interested in, in, uh, in um, tell me what's going on in your life. It was someone that, that had the quality that they were more interested in someone else other than themselves. And those are the people, like, when I was going through high school, those were the people that had the most influence. They had all kinds of friends. I remember my, one, of, um, one of my first friends as a freshman, his name was Carl Chisholm. And Carl Chisholm was this really sweet guy. He, he was like three times my size. But he had a sweetheart. He had a disposition towards other people that, that invited people into his life, into his world. And people with those type of qualities had an amazing influence in a pretty big, pretty big high school, which was about 3,800 kids. And so every single one of us has that little sphere of influence that, that we are the only person that can touch people's hearts. Like, I'm a granddad. And when I look at my grandkids, I look at, like, um, you know, Madison or Lucas or Teal or, or Artie or Grace, and, and I can touch their life like no one else can, and I can spoil them rotten like no one else can and get away with it. And the parents go, block, 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 and I go, squawk somewhere else. We're going out for ice cream after I pick them up for school. But no one else can touch their hearts like I can. Their parents can't. Other people that are in their world can't, don't have access to their hearts like I do. And when we can grab a hold of, of that, that we have an opportunity to shape people's hearts like no one else can, then we, begin, then we can begin to be effective in influencing people with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Come back to 2 Timothy with me. This is the thing that Paul was trying to get across to Timothy. Timothy... You're a pastor in Ephesus, and you're the only pastor that they're going to have. And he helps Timothy to understand that, that if he would apply certain principles to his life, he's going to be effective in touching people's hearts. And so when we look at the text, the first one we can see is that he says, You then, my child, be strengthened by grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
And what the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy is to keep on being, to keep on, present tense, keep on being empowered. And the word empowered there is a little intimidating. Well, I don't, I don't know if I, empowered, maybe, but if we were to substitute maybe a little synonym there, and the synonym would be grow, then we begin to unlock the verse. Paul tells Timothy to keep on growing, to keep on, to keep on pursuing growth in his own life, to keep on becoming more Christ-like. And the text helps us understand how that's possible. Take a look at the text with me. How can Timothy be strengthened? How can Timothy keep growing? He says, the, the apostle says this, you then, my child, be strengthened by what? By grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what Paul is pointing here is that the greatest quality that you can grow in as a person so that you can have influence in your world is to continue to grow in grace in Christ Jesus. In other words, if we were to use, say, say more precise language, we, say, we would say that transformation and con being continually transformed continually growing in grace so that you can be more like Christ is that, Timothy, you'll be an effective pastor if you continue to do that. To continue to be transformed by the grace of God into Christ-likeness. And in your world, it's the same thing. Is that when you are continually changed by grace into Christ-likeness, your life becomes very appealing. Because what? You have to offer things that, that people long for. Like, how about, like, acceptance? Not based on performance, but acceptance based because you're simply a human being made in the image of God, and I am going to extend my heart to you. Do you think that's appealing? I think it is. The people that have touched my life have been those type of people. People that are transformed by grace and are becoming more like Jesus. There's two qualities when we look at having the desire and the ability to grow in grace. There's two qualities that determine whether you're going to continue to grow or not. The first is humility. And the second is being teachable. If, you're, if you have a humble heart, if you are teachable then you're going to continue to grow. If you don't have a humble heart and you're full of pride, then you're going to stop right there and you're going to stop growing. People that are humble and teachable are appealing. Yesterday, driving down 128, the endless road to nowhere, and uh, 128 and getting on 93 to go visit my mother yesterday in Medford, and I was listening to this show, and this show was... Uh, about this, this guy. I wish I could remember his name. Maybe one of you guys know. But he was on, uh, I think, RKO. And he's like the, the fix-it man, the home fix-it man. And so people call all over the country, you know, like, I've got this, this guy called. I got this problem with a leaking faucet. I got this problem with a commode. And this guy's, like, brilliant. You know, he's like, boom, boom. And anyway, there was this other call that came in about staining a cabinet. 
And he kind of fumbled the ball on answering the question, like, how do you stain this cabinet? So like 10 minutes later, this lady that's 82 years old calls in and says, you know, they'll call him Jim. You know, Jim, there's this product that I got at the hardware store, and it's called blah, 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 blah. And if you do this, and you do this, and you put the stain on the cabinet, the, st the cabinet looks great. And, and he said, you're 82 years old. And he goes, yeah, I'm 82 years old, but I never stop learning. And I was like, wow, that's a keeper. I'm going to use that tomorrow. There's an attitude of growth that's appealing to people. And it fuels spiritual transformation in our life. And it allows us to be a person of influence in the people around us. It's a paradox you mean if I'm more humble and teachable, I'll have more influence and be able to speak into people's life? Yeah, it works like that. If you're a guy, I'll tell you this, especially if you're an older guy, don't stop being teachable. Don't stop being humble. Don't think you've arrived because when you've done that, you're going to find people are going to push you away and not invite you into their life. And old guys need people in their lives. I was at Leahy Clinic. This was, uh, I think I'm always at Leahy Clinic visiting someone. But anyway, I had to go into the ER. This is like six months ago. And um, I was visiting someone that was in the ER. And, uh, you know, the curtain was drawn. And I was with the, I was with the person. We were, we, were, we were praying together. And um, outside the curtain there was these nurses and they were trying to help this old guy. And this old guy was the sweetest old guy I think I ever heard. He was like, oh, thank you so much. I, I you know, thank you for helping me. You know, oh, that's helping me a lot. You know, oh, I've tried that, but that didn't work. And you know what the, the, the nurses were like? Bzzz. Like, it was so appealing and attractive. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. See, the very first principle about being an, an effective pastor and to be a person that is appealing to other people is to be strengthened and empowered and to grow in grace so that you become more like Jesus Christ and less like yourself. And that applies all across the board, no matter what age you are, no matter where you live, whether you're a sophomore at Chelmsford High School or whether you're an old guy that has lots of grandkids and has a little white top for a head. Second principle that we can see here is in the role of um, Timothy is he is to pass on the pattern of sound words, the good deposit that was entrusted to him. The faithful pastor is empowered by the Spirit to replicate the ministry of Jesus. He's, a, he's about replicating not his own ministry, but the sound words and the sound teaching of Jesus Christ. Look at the text with me. He says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. If we were to say, how does that apply to us, if we're not a pastor, 
is that when you begin to make a difference and invest in other people's lives, it's the most satisfying thing you'll ever do. When you invest in, in a peer's life or vocationally, if you're helping your coworkers grow or if you're a granddad, you're helping your, your little ones learn how to trap a soccer ball or, or how to give a good Tom Brady pass. I'm pretty good at that. Um, and, you, and you begin to look back at, at the years that go by and begin to understand that you have imparted you have made a difference. You have allowed a person to kind of come out from under something or you've brought the healing, healing of Jesus Christ into their life or you've, or you've dispensed grace into their life and you see the transformation that happens in their life. It is the most satisfying thing that you, it will bring joy to your life. And so use the sphere the little place that God has brought you, the only place, the only place, that little sphere that you're in, you're able, to, you're the only person that can make a difference in that place. Can you say yes? Can you think of people in your life today, right now, if, you, if I ask you to write down three names in the palm of your hand, could you do that? Would you do that? Well, not unless you have permission from your mother, will you write in your hand? But that's the heart of God. He says, he has engraved our names in the palm of his hand. Our walls or our presence are forever before him. That is what Timothy's called to do. To experience transformation and grace into his life and impart it to others so that he could replicate the ministry of Jesus. Now we come back to the text. He gives three metaphors. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who, one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. And he says to Timothy, think these things over. And so we have to ask our question. He picks out like three particular people, soldiers, athletes, farmers. And so what is the message? Well, you drill down a little bit. What do these three things have in common? Well, these three things have in common one thing, and that's the ability to perform in spite of adversity. A soldier, if you've ever been a soldier and you've been in a difficult, difficult places, you know what adversity is and you still have to what? Still have to perform, still have to rise to the occasion. If you're an athlete and you know what it is, is that as an athlete you have to be focused and you have to train. It's not enough to try, right? You have to train. As a farmer, well, I've never been a farmer, don't want to be a farmer, but I've read about farmers. And their continual battle with the weather and the elements and planting and experiencing crop failures or market fluctuations. They've had to learn to, to carry on in the midst of adversity. If there's anything that helps flesh out life is what type of person 
are you in the midst of adversity? And all three of these little nuggets that we've been looking at so far, they're all tied together. And so if you're a person that's growing in grace and you're, and you're growing in Christ-likeness, then when adversity comes, you lean into grace and not into yourself. One of the blessings and also the difficulties that you've had with me as a pastor is that I've been here most of my adult life. And so I've got to live life out in front of you. You've got to see what I'm like on my best day, and you've got to see what it's like on my worst day. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is this, that in the, in the midst of adversity, in the midst of difficulty, that you will be able to influence people as you lean into grace and Christ-likeness more than anything that you could ever say, speak this way. You will be able to do as a soldier, as an athlete, and as a farmer. Now, there's one last section of the text. It's the bulk of the text. And what Paul reiterates here is his message, the primary message that he has, is to proclaim the gospel so people can, people can come to accept Christ. And Paul is committed to go, and to go and to proclaim the gospel in the midst of suffering, in the midst of difficulties. Why? Because he's leaning into grace. He knows what his purpose is for his life, and so he leans into grace so that he can accomplish God's purposes for his life. Take a look at the text. It says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as he preached as preached in my gospel. Now, is it Paul's gospel or is it Jesus' gospel? Well, it's Paul's gospel in the sense is that he has appropriated that. He has totally put the gospel into his heart and his life so that they are one and the same. For which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, what does it say? Endure. I have it circled in my Bible. Endure. How to endure? Endure because of the grace that transforms one's life into becoming less like yourself and more like Christ. And then Paul uses this hem from the church, four little, four little clauses, four little answers. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we'll reign. If we deny, he'll deny us. Some great uh, five things from the book of Hebrews there about perseverance in your notes. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. So let's bring this to a close this morning. Every single one of us has a what? Has a sphere of influence. And if you lean into grace, and you lean into grow, growing in Christ-likeness, if you have nurture the qualities of your heart of humility and teachableness, you'll be able to touch people's lives and see your, say, ministry, whether it's at Chelmsford High School or Westford or Middlesex or U Lowell or with your grandkids or with your son or your daughter, you'll be able to see growth in their life. And they're going to look at your life and say, I want to be like granddaddy.
or I want to be like Ed, or I want to be like Jim. And they're not really saying, I want to be like you in a sense. They're saying that I want those qualities that I see demonstrated before me. And Timothy's key to pastoring the church was his transformation into Christ-likeness and his faithfulness in proclaiming the gospel message. The keys in your world, in your sphere, are they different? They're the same thing. Grow in Christ and be faithful to proclaim the gospel message. You say amen? We get to close with the Lord's table this morning, and, and uh, uh, it's, it's just a wonderful opportunity to uh, take a step towards all the things that we talked about this morning. Take a step towards uh, making our own all the things that we have in Christ. And so take a minute, if you would, maybe close up your Bible and, and take a moment and prepare your hearts. If you're going to pray for people, if you come on up now and stand off to the side, that would be great.